0: Well, good morning, West Bowles. How are you this morning? Good. A little bit of winter is revisiting, yes? I'm, um, I'm relieved that the vote this morning went as it did, or this sermon would be rather awkward, wouldn't it? I have here notes for both a 30-minute and a 30-second version of the message this morning. I'm so glad I can preach the longer one. The shorter version would have gone something like this: Psst, "Jill, get the kids, get the car. I'll meet you out front." I'm a... All kidding aside, my um, my family and I are so deeply blessed. We're so deeply blessed by your affirmation. I am I am thrilled to be your pastor. A little terrified, but thrilled. Um, I want you to know how much we love you, and we love our church. I can't believe it's already been three years. When uh, God put us together three years ago, you came um, into our lives at a time uh, where uh, there were some difficult things going on in life and in ministry, and you welcomed us with such strong... Love and affirmation and support, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. And on behalf of the elders, staff, and volunteers, as leaders here, we promise you our best. So help us, God, as together we see what God has in store for West Bulls next in the near and distant future. So, come, let's go, and let's continue together down the path that God has set for us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand, please, and let's recite Shema, the first and greatest commandment, and the second greatest commandment. We'll do it as a way to dedicate to God our time together this morning in His amazing Word. We'll do the Hebrew responsively, and then we'll read the English together. I should mention if you need yet one of these small credit card-shaped things. It has Shema written on it in English on one side and Hebrew in the other. Um, they're out in the lobby after the service, so pick one up. Uh, they're small, so take two or three if you like, but they're available for you in the lobby. Please say these words after me. Shema Israel, Shema Israel. Adonai, Eloheinu. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloheka. Be'hol levavka. Nafshika. napshika. U'v'chol me'odeka. Ve'ahavta re'achah komocha. Amen. Together in English please. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You may be seated. If you are just joining us this morning, we have been looking at these past few weeks what Jesus calls the greatest and second greatest commandments, to love God and to love others and i'm asking you through this series to join together in continuing to shape west bowls into a body into a place into a community a family where loving god and loving others is more and more and more what marks us as a community if we mention west bowls to someone do they immediately think oh that's the church that loves God and loves people. And if not, can we get there? So help us God. As you can see on the screen, I've divided the sermon series into three parts. God loves us, love God, and love people. And this morning we're coming to in the series as we gather around the Lord's table to bring to a close the first part, God loves us. We started here in this series with God Loves Us because I'm convinced that before we're able to get to loving God and loving others, we need to know and trust completely that God indeed loves us. If and when we waver there, if we doubt that God is love and that He loves us deeply, Well, then in my opinion, an all-out love for God and an all-out selfless love for others wavers too. The rock we stand on, the the, the traction, if you will, for our all-out love for God and others is God's amazing love for us. And so we've seen these past few weeks that God's love for us was there in the beginning when He lovingly created everything. And even in his loving response to Adam and Eve when it all fell apart. And we've seen where God loves us in spite of and in the midst of pain and honest questions. He invites us to ask him about tough to comprehend things. And we've been reminded that God loves us as we are, warts and all. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And last week, we spent some time again at the foot of the cross, and we remembered that God loves us all the way. And this morning, I'd like to take a little different angle into God's love for us and describe its very nature, the extent, the depth of God's love. And so this morning, I'd like us to circle around and see that God loves us Intimately. Social psychologists unanimously confirm that intimacy plays a central role in our overall human experience. Intimacy can be defined as a familiar and very close connection with another, and that fil- familiarity and closeness comes as a result of deep knowledge and extensive experience of that other. I read this week where where people have a universal need to belong and that intimate relationships are where that need for belonging is fulfilled. To be intimate with someone means that you know and you feel beyond any shadow of a doubt that you belong together with them. An intimate relationship is is one where you can confidently disclose previously hidden thoughts and feelings, confidently share those deepest hopes and fears. And it's no surprise that the word intimacy is often very closely associated with sex. Sexual intimacy is is more than one type of intimacy. Those two words are, in the right context of husband and wife, nearly redundant because they describe a relationship where two people are able to freely give deeply of themselves, completely and fully to each other. We long to be able to do that. We long for a relationship where we can give of ourselves completely. We need to belong like that. We crave intimacy. And so can our desire and need for intimacy be fulfilled in and with God? Does God satisfy the need for that kind of love, that kind of intimacy? The answer, of course, is a resounding, yes, he does, boy, does he ever. And while the Gospels and all of Scripture affirm God's desire to be intimate with us, perhaps there's no Scripture quite so adamant, quite so intense, quite so intimate as the book of Song of Songs, or as it once was more commonly called the Song of Solomon, that name change coming about when scholars decided it was more likely a love poem written about Solomon rather than by Solomon. But under either title, the book boldly and explicitly celebrates intimacy. So explicitly that there are portions at least a little too intimate to read in a a public forum where where younger ears are present. The book celebrates the intimacy between a man and a woman, between a lover and his beloved, between a beloved and her lover, culminating in their marriage and consummation of their marriage right in the center of the poem. Incidentally, on the question of who wrote Song of Songs, scholars have noted that the female voice accounts for 53% of the book and the male voice only 34% Which may suggest this poem was written by a woman. It certainly wouldn't surprise me. But that ratio of who's doing all the talking is also a deep affirmation the book is indeed about marriage. (laughs) Right? All right. Just kidding. (laughs) And while the book is indeed about the intimacy between a man and a woman, it's also about the intimacy between God and his people. And the reason we can make that leap is because God vividly describes our relationship with him as a marriage relationship. Did you know that? Most famously, perhaps at least in the Old Testament book, is the book of Hosea, where God describes Israel's turning away from him as the vilest adultery. Now there's a powerful marriage context word. And in Hosea, God vividly and explicitly describes his pain over Israel's leaving him. And he describes it as the pain a husband feels when his wife is seeing someone else, is intimate with someone else. The pain a husband feels when his wife is unfaithful is the pain that God feels When his people walk away from him. And in the midst of his pain, God cries out, My people are determined to turn from me. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. And so what, what does God do to resolve this problem about his wayward bride? God says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert where the two of them can be together alone, where, where they can be intimate. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. And on and on, God goes in Hosea using the rich image of marriage to describe the relationship between him and his people. It's like a marriage, it's that intimate. Ezekiel 16 contains a similar picture. Israel has become a prostitute rather than a wife. And it breaks God's heart as he recalls better days. When I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you. And immediately the courtship and marriage of Ruth and Boaz come to mind. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you. A promise, a relationship, a marriage covenant in context even. I entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine, says God. And surely it was this Old Testament image of God and Israel as husband and wife that birthed the New Testament description of Jesus as the groom and the church as His bride. It's that same intimate image that God desires and describes the relationship He has with His people. Jesus Himself in a parable describes His return as He's the groom coming for His bride. And so because God describes our relationship with Him as a marriage, the Song of Songs is not only about the intimacy between a man and a woman, it certainly is that, but it's also about our intimate relationship with God, metaphorically at least. Listen to some portions from the Song of Songs and that metaphorically describe the intimacy That God desires to have with us. Right off the bat, the woman talks. She's the beloved. And she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let's hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. And the man responds, he gets off to a rather slow start, but he responds, I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. <laughs> Images change, you know, in 3,000 years. So I'm sure it was very complimentary at the time. Calls her a horse. Don't try that, guys, when you're... Honey, you look like a horse. No, that Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will, we will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. And she responds, While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyard's of Engedi. The man responds, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And she says, all night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but didn't find him. I'll get up now and go about the city, through its streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So I looked for him, but I did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and wouldn't let him go till I brought him to my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. And he says to her, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. you got to roll with it again. (laughs) Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn. That's not too bad today, really brilliant white. Each has its twin, not one of them is alone. Your lips your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David built with elegance, and on it hangs a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors." "'Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. "'Milk and honey are under your tongue. "'The fragrance of your garment is like that of Lebanon. "'You're a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. "'You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. "'Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates "'with choice fruits, uh, with henna and nard, "'nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, "'with every kind of incense tree.' With myrrh and aloes and all the finest spices. You are a garden fountain, a well of flowing water streaming down from Lebanon. Such longing, such desire, such romance and fun and delight such passion and depth of emotion, such breathless belonging together, and such intimacy. And God says, that's how our relationship is to be, my people, between you and me. Before we gather around the Lord's table this morning, I'd like to take us back to the very first Lord's Supper, Jesus' last supper, the night before Jesus died. I suspect that Jesus had intimacy and our need for it and His desire for it on His mind. Even this picture, perhaps, of marriage between God and His people And the reason I suspect it, he did something very unusual during the Passover Seder that night. He left the customary liturgy behind, the traditional words spoken. When he connected the bread and the wine to his body and blood and life offered. Okay, what might that have to do with marriage? Well, in Jesus' day, a culture as near as we can tell in his day and culture, as near as we can tell, whenever a man would ask a woman for her hand in marriage, part of the customary proposal would be for the man to offer her a cup of wine as a symbol of his life. One picture, at least that may be there at the Lord's Supper, is that one. As the man would offer her the cup as a proposal of marriage, she would accept his proposal by taking the cup from him and drinking from it. Offering her the cup was his way of asking, Will you marry me? And accepting the cup was her way of answering, Yes, I will marry you. And there stands Jesus that night, offering his disciples a cup of wine symbolic of his life. One picture, at least, of that gesture is the intimate marriage relationship we've been talking about this morning. One picture, at least, is Jesus asking his disciples, metaphorically, of course, Will you marry me? Will you accept my all? my life, intimately, even as if we were husband and wife, following or borrowing from that same biblical description of our relationship with God as a marriage, so deep, so intimate is God's love for us that it can only be described in terms of the most intimate relationship we as human beings can comprehend or understand, that of marriage. And I know the metaphor is a bit uncomfortable for guys in particular because Jesus is a guy. But let the marriage proposal stand for its deeper meaning. Let it stand as an offer from Jesus to fulfill that craving, that longing, that need we have for intimacy. Our longing to belong, male or female, in Him and with Him. And if you're wondering, is that a bit of a stretch to speak of the marriage relationship in the context of the Lord's Supper, consider as well the last two chapters of Revelation. Because of Jesus' death, resurrection, and return, John sees in Revelation, he says, "...the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband." An angel breaks away from the chorus and comes over to John and says to him, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And John closes Revelation with the Spirit and the bride saying, Come. And Jesus responding, Yes, I am coming soon. All of Scripture opens and closes with a picture of intimacy with God. And so what better place to speak of our marriage to the Lamb than the night before He became the Lamb and died, making it all possible, standing there at His last supper, offering His life to all who would say, yeah, I will marry you. And if accepting Jesus' offer is like accepting a marriage proposal, then what do our wedding vows look like? Jesus promises us his life. And what do we promise in return? We promise our lives as well. To him, we agree we, we will belong to each other. But what specifically does Jesus ask of our lives that we give him in return? What does he ask us to vow to do? What's his yoke? What's his first and greatest commandment and the second that is like it? Don't think too hard. Love God. With all our heart, soul, and might and love our neighbor as ourselves. Shema is our wedding vow. There it is again. Relentless, isn't it? Living Shema, loving God and others is our wedding vow to God. It's how we say, I do, to Jesus' offer of intimate, marriage-like relationship. And so when we accept the bread and the cup around the Lord's table, one metaphorical description of that act is we are saying again to God's offer of marriage, yes, I will marry you. And we are recommitting, repeating our wedding vows, if you will, to live Shema, to love God with all our heart, soul, and might. And to love others as ourselves. On the way in this morning, you should have received a note card. How many of you were missed and did not? Because I'd like everyone... Whoa! Okay, there's a whole group over. You, what, you slip in the side door? Okay, there's people coming with cards. Keep your hand and hold them up high because I'd all love for you to have a card... And while those are being distributed, when you get yours or if you have them already, what I'd like to have you do on the card, I invite you to do it if you like in preparation and in response to Jesus' offer given at the Last Supper. I invite you to write your wedding vow to Jesus, to God, on your card now. I've suggested to you that Shema, loving God and loving people, is our wedding vow, but for our cards, I'd like for each of you to think of what might make that vow more personal to you, more directly applicable to you personally. In other words, how will you specifically love God and love others today, this week, beyond. Maybe there's something specific in your work, your gifts, your talents that you want to promise to give to God in some specific way or to others in love. Maybe, maybe there's a specific sin struggle that you have in your life. Maybe it's something that's only known to you and to God. And you know that it gets in the way that familiarity and deep closeness with God. It's keeping you from being intimate with Him, that sin. That would make make a great wedding vow this morning. You can promise to invite God in and be open and honest with Him if you haven't so far about that sin struggle. And give it over to God and promise to recommit yourself. So help you, God, to fight against that specific sin. That would be something you could put on the card. Or... Maybe you can just jot down on your card in your own words what it means to love God or love others. And if all else fails, you're certainly welcome to simply write out Shema on your card that you promise, you recommit today, right here, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your might, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, while we're reflecting on that and writing on our cards Craig and the band has some music for us, and Craig, I think, is going to share what he's writing on his card. If you're not sure of what to write, maybe hearing someone else's will help direct or inspire your own vow. When you're finished, you can just keep your cards, keep your written vows with you, put put them in your wallet or purse, put them on the dashboard of your car, on a nightstand, maybe put it next to your sink in the bathroom where you get ready every morning just to remind yourself daily of the promise that you made this morning as we come around the Lord's table. So, in the next few minutes, we'll be writing down our vows on the card, and then we'll move to communion around the Lord's table. So some of you
1: are already off and running because it's very easy for you to engage in this kind of activity, and some of you are scratching your head, so I'm going to read what I wrote on a, not on a card, but on a paper towel, but it's going to be on the screen now. (laughs) And uh, I think Todd's given you a lot of ideas. Um, Mine is really in the context of here and now. It's not my once and for all vow, it's the vow I would make uh, today, so I'll read it to you. Unto the great giver, the gift of myself, I'm weak to offer words that will better bind me to you, but at the table you bring me to I will commit. I commit to accept that I too am a beloved child of God. I commit to receive the first love whose heart beat strong before the world was made. It beats for me too. I will drink the cup again. Again, Jesus. Mercy. Again, give me eyes for your kingdom in each step. Peace to share even when I don't fully know it. Eyes for broken places here in my midst. Words that would build up towards those I love most. Ears to hear when my first instinct is to speak. I drink, I accept, and I commit this to you because you first showed this love to me, you. You gave recklessly, and you will give again. Thank you, Jesus. I am yours. So we'll let you write as uh, we sing.
2: Your beauty is all I see, the brightness of, your glory has arrived in your presence.
0: give thanks to God, our Father, that our Savior Jesus Christ gave us this memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. On the night that he was betrayed at his last supper, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And therefore, we proclaim our faith. As signed and sealed in this sacrament, Jesus has died, Jesus is risen, Jesus will come again. So come, therefore, all of you who are truly sorry for your sins, all who believe in the Lord Jesus as your Savior have confessed His name. And desire to live in obedience to Him. So help you God. Come joyfully and eagerly. Come joyfully and eagerly with assurance of faith. For Christ our Lord invites you into intimate fellowship with Him. We'll have those helping distribute to you the bread. And then we'll eat of it together as a community. And then we'll do the same thing with the cup. As it's being passed out and as the music comes to play again, reflect more, if you like, on Jesus' offer of intimacy with you, on the vows and promises that you've made in response this morning. Give it up to God. How will you respond? What will you do?
3: I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me Oh, how He loves us so Oh, how He loves us How He loves us
0: Take, eat, remember and believe that the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was broken for you for a complete forgiveness of all of your sins so that we can be intimate with God again now and forevermore.
3: realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, how He loves us so A hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his winds and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how. Your affections are for me Oh, how He loves us so
0: Precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was shed for you in complete forgiveness of all of your sins, so that we can be intimate with God again, now and forevermore.
2: Yeah, He. Loved
1: This morning, uh, let's stand together as we uh, sing. I called, you answered, you came to my rescue, and I want to be where you are.
2: be
0: his blessing, his good words. Hear, O West Community Church, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Have a great day. God bless you all.